0: You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with
1: us, a place where hope and reality converge.
0: When they're in the right time that she would have a baby boy who had blue eyes and blonde hair. And just four four or so uh, years later, she met Mr. Wright. And Lisa Felipe and Chuck from Alaska decided to get married and, and begin their lives together. And just one short year later, they decided to start a family. And a little time after that passed, and they found that, that they were pregnant and they were going to have a baby. During that first couple of months of the pregnancy, Lisa... Uh, had extreme and acute morning sickness and the doctors at the time decided to prescribe her a drug called Benazine, Benazine and that drug at the time was not known to have any side effects but at the first ultrasound they found that the fetus was severely damaged it had no legs and was going to be severely mentally handicapped at the time the doctor in its wisdom thought that it would be wise just to, just to abort the baby and because of its condition that it would have little or no quality of life and be handicapped the rest of, rest of its life. Chuck and Lisa decided to continue on with the pregnancy and the second ultrasound and during the second trimester they, they, saw, they saw that things were, were, still, were still the same, the same condition. The same circumstance. Third trimester. Final ultrasound before the the baby was to be born. Same condition. Same circumstance. And they have prayed throughout this pregnancy. But they they called upon the the elders of the church and the pastors of the church. And they, they laid hands on Lisa's. Stomach and they begin to pray and to intercede and asking for a healing touch and for God's will. And and Lisa felt the, the healing touch of the Lord upon her womb and felt the Lord speak to her in that very familiar voice and said, Remember, I've promised you this boy, and tell him that I am giving him legs and restoring his mind so that he can stand strong for me and preach the gospel. Just a few weeks later, after the delivery, Lisa Felipe Shaw held her brand new baby boy, Joshua Ryan Shaw, and whispered in his ear and said, God gave you legs so you can stand for him, so he can preach the gospel. This is my story.
1: Every life is a story and every story has an author. There's a first page that creates a scenario and then there's a last page that determines a destiny. And the pages in between represent the chapters that make that story or that life complete. Your story is being written. My story is being written. Each day is another contribution or each day is another entry of the life that God is creating and what he is writing on our lives. What we allow him to do today will determine the volume, that when our time is up, that when we put down the pen of this writing, when we no longer write another page, when it's our turn to put a volume on the shelf that it would not just stay on the shelf, but that there'd be a generation that would come behind and pull the pages, pull the the book of, of our lives off the shelf and read the stories of what God has done in our lives, that our stories become a contribution of the big picture to the glory of God. The Bible says that after Moses died, Joshua led the people. When Joshua died, the Bible says that the people had forgotten their God and the miracles that God had done among Moses and Joshua. That there was a time that they had forgotten because there was a generation behind them that forgot to write the stories, that forgot to allow God to write the stories in their lives of what it was that God was able to do, the miracles. It went from the Red Sea to crossing the Jordan and soon into the Promised Land. And somewhere along the way, someone let go of the pen and no longer allowed God to write the stories that he wanted to write. You see, you and I, we're accustomed to stories. Stories make up our lives. Stories inspire us. They they teach us things. we, We learn from stories. We dream because of stories. Stories are things that cause us to come to life. I remember when I was in elementary school, and it was about third grade, and the teacher, the librarian, read to us my favorite story. It was my favorite when I heard it, and it was my favorite throughout elementary. It was James and the Giant Peach. I love that story. That author had such an imagination that he would he would write about this huge peach that grew and, and this boy James that would go inside and, and created a home and that there would be these insects and these things that would all be around there. It was an amazing story. This author had such an imagination that it sucked me right in. I sat there and I'm listening and as I'm reading the story and, and hearing my teacher read it, I see these orange walls, circular walls around me. I imagine the, the centipedes and these, these insects insects, these things that come around, and it was such an inspiration, something that caused an impact that it drew me in. Stories can be powerful. Stories can cause things to come to life. Stories can cause things to develop in our lives, and when a story is told, it can suck you right in and make you a part of it. You see, there's a story being written in your life, and there's an author who is writing things that are far beyond what you can ever imagine. There's an author that you think you can imagine the pages of what a James and the Giant Peach author could write or something that you might find that there's an author who is writing things beyond what we can imagine because sometimes life comes to places and we can't imagine how the pieces could come together. We can't imagine how good things can come out of difficult circumstances, but there is an author who is writing the story of our lives and is putting together pieces far beyond what we could ever imagine. Your story and my story is what we call a testimony. We know the word testimony. If you grew up in church, you refer to it. Maybe you hear of people sharing their testimony. But if you've not grown up in church, you've not heard that word, maybe you heard it in court and you had to give a testimony. There are times when you understand this testimony that you're giving evidence to factual things. You're making a statement that is giving proof to something that's going on in your life. Let me ask you, what is the testimony or the story of your life? Are the entries of your life giving proof and evidence to the power of God still at work in a generation today? Or are the pages of the stories of our lives nominal, unadventurous, mundane, not drawing any excitement, not drawing any stories. that You know the stories that keep you on the edge of your seat with anticipation. You're, you're looking forward to what the next page might be. Or, or you're watching that story and maybe it's on television or something. All of a sudden it says to be continued. And you say, no, I don't want it to be continued. I want to find out now. Why? Because it's drawn you in and caused you to have such a response. How many know that that's what the life with Jesus is all about? That he wants you to live on the edge of your seat. He wants to draw you with that excitement, that that adventurous spirit and causing you to experience things beyond what you could ever imagine. Your testimony, given evidence of the proof of God. Revelation 12 verse 11 says this, and they have defeated him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. They have defeated Satan. Satan by the blood of the lamb. Understand or notice here that there's two parts to this victory over Satan. How many know that in this world we have, an, we have an adversary? There is an enemy in the world who seeks to destroy. John 10 tells us this, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I've come, Jesus said, that, I, that you might have life and have it to the full. I've come to restore what the enemy desires to take away. I've come to rewrite the pages that the enemy has said this is the end. I've come to make entries in your life that are more Than what the enemy has said will ever be accomplished in your life. That God is desiring to write those pages, but it's two parts. They overcome Him by the blood of the Lamb. And we understand this to be the work of Jesus Christ, who on the cross who gave his life and his blood that was shed became a remission or became the the, the solution to the sin that surrounded us. And because of Jesus Christ, there became hope in our world. How many know that hope still lives today? There's still a hope that isn't available. Now, we know that because of the blood of Jesus, Jesus has overcome the enemy. He has overcome Satan. The question is not whether or not Satan will be defeated in the earth. He will be. The question is whether or not Satan will be defeated in our lives. You see, because they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. The two, the contribution of the two together, that victory is offered, but victory must also be received, that it's in two parts. I've read some books, and there have been some books that I've read that it has referenced individuals who have served as contributing authors. Have you heard that before? There's a contributing author in the the situation. There's someone who contributes to this this purpose. It's the person who is not the main author. He's not the, the main person who's writing the story, but he's invested in the story, and he contributes And this contribution that he's making is causing a story to become alive. And you and I, because of our free will, become contributing authors to the story that God is writing in our lives. Because of the free will and the decisions that we're making, we're becoming contributing authors to the work and the purpose and the story that God is creating inside of you and I. God is the main author, but you and I have the privilege of being contributing authors in this work that he's writing. He's putting the pieces of our lives together, the pieces of our individual lives, of our families, of our homes, our communities. Let me ask you today, this privilege of partnering with God, how are you contributing to the story that God is wanting to write in your life? How are you contributing to what it is that God is wanting to do in your life? Judges chapter 2. We find a story here of Judges in Judges chapter 2 and the story of the Israelites who have come to a place. And this morning, if you have your Bibles and you open to Judges chapter 2, we're going to look at these first five verses. If you don't have your Bibles, they'll be on the screen today. But Judges chapter 2, here it is, Israelites, the Israelites or Israel is found in a different situation. They're now in Judges. Judges is after the time of Joshua. Joshua had led the people after Moses. And now they're at a new season, at a place in their life, in their in their journey. They're at a difficult place. And as they've come along, they experience something that has been a that becomes a setback and a difficulty in their life. But in Judges chapter two. Starting with verse one, here's what the word of the Lord says. The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochum and said to the Israelites, I brought you out of Egypt into this land that I swore to give your ancestors. And I said, I would never break my covenant with you. Everybody say covenant. I would never break my covenant. That word covenant, of course, is that agreement. Now, when someone makes a contract, it becomes a legal agreement between individuals, but a covenant becomes a lifelong agreement between individuals. I'm making a lifelong covenant. God is saying, I'm making a covenant with you. I made a covenant with my wife when we stood at the altar and we made a covenant, we gave our vows. There's a covenant and a lifelong agreement. And here in this this place that God is saying to them, the Lord is speaking to them and says, I made a lifelong lifelong agreement with you for your part and here he says that was my part now here's your part for your part you were not to make any covenants with the people living in this land instead you were to destroy their altars but you disobeyed my command why did you do this so now i declare that i will no longer drive out the people living in your land they will be thorns in your sides and their gods will be a constant temptation to you when the angel of the Lord finished speaking to all the Israelites, the people wept, wept loudly. So they called that place Bochum, which means weeping, and they offered sacrifices to the Lord there. Now understand this, this, this setting here. We have the Bible says the angel of the Lord, and I, I highlighted on the screen, if you read it, it said the angel of the Lord. And after the angel of the Lord begins to speak, it says, I made a covenant with you. I believe here without a doubt that this I, notice it didn't say the angel of the Lord said, thus saith the Lord, or the Lord told me to tell you. It says the angel of the Lord said, I made a covenant with you. And here what we have is, I believe, and I, I, I believe every time we read in scripture, that when an angel of the Lord came and spoke on behalf of the angel of the Lord, this is Jesus. Because Jesus was in the beginning. John said that Jesus was in the beginning. He was with God. He was God. And he recognizes this connection. Here is Jesus in front of the Israelites. And he's saying to them, I. And he's saying I because he's speaking as God. He and God are one. He said those words. That the Father and I are one. And Jesus is speaking. And he says, I have made a covenant with you. I've made a promise. He says that he came from Gilgal to Bochum. Now, he went from Gilgal to Bochum. Bochum is where they were right now. If you read or caught what Bochum means, Bochum was a place of weeping. They didn't name it Bochum until Jesus showed up in that place. Isn't it good to know that no matter where your Bochum or your place of weeping is, Jesus can show up in the place of your Bochum? Jesus shows up in your place of weakness, in your place, of, uh, in, in your place of, of weeping, your place of weakness, your place of despair, that Jesus shows up in that place. In this place of weeping, it's really not a happy ending. I mean, this isn't the ending they were looking for. These were the children of Israel. They were the children of God. They were given a promise from from the patriarchs back all the way back to Abraham who said that God told Abraham that I'm going to give you descendants and I'm going to bless you. You're going to have more children than you can ever count. You're going to bless nations through you. It's going to be a a great history, a great inheritance that I'm going to give you and pass on to you. And here this Abraham turns into Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and it comes all the way. And they're now at this point in the promised land they would have been at this point about 40 years in the promised land now how many know that when you start and begin and god says i'm going to take you out of slavery and take you into the promised land you have nothing but great things in mind along the way but how many know it wasn't quite the case as israel began the journey they found the wilderness then they circled the wilderness Then they get in, and they have to cross another—not only the Red Sea at the beginning to leave slavery, but now they got to cross the Jordan River at its highest times, when the waters was were the most dangerous. They have to trust God in those moments. Then they get on the other side of the Jordan, and they have to face Jericho. They have to face Ai. All of these things that God says, I've given you a promise. And along the way, they believe God to write a great story in their life. But there were some things along the way that they weren't anticipating. There were some things along the way that may have surprised them. They weren't expecting to, to hit these difficulties or these troubles along the way. And here they are as they start out, and they're now at a place called weeping. They didn't expect the story to look like that. And sometimes we can have our lives, how many have ever experienced it? Sometimes a long life, things happen that you weren't expecting. You didn't expect that to be a part of your story. You didn't expect this circumstance or some situation. And unfortunately, we can live in the life and instead of God writing the story that he wants, we can sometimes just exist among a series of unfortunate events. We can sometimes just exist from one series of events to another without any true desire or passion or believing that God is able to intervene. But he shows up in this place called Bochum. And now they've been there 40 years. It's a place of weeping. You realize that God can set you up for success, but he can't make you walk in it. He set the Israelites up for success. He gave them all they needed. He provided for them. He gave them a promise. He made a covenant. And he said, this is my part, and you have your part. But instead of being in that place of success, they're in Bochum. But notice that it says that Jesus, the angel of the Lord, he came from Gilgal, and he met them at Bochum. Here's what's interesting, that the angel of the Lord, that Jesus came up from Gilgal. Gilgal is where it all began. You see, when they walked into the promised land, we have Plymouth Rock for us, for our pilgrims. They landed and they came into into America and they landed at at, uh, Plymouth Rock. For these people, for the Israelites, their Plymouth Rock would have been Gilgal. When they crossed the Jordan River and they came into the land that God promised, they would have landed or camped the first night in Gilgal. This is the place where it would have began. This was their first day in the Promised Land. This is a place of beginnings. In fact, the word Gilgal means this—a rolling wheel to put into action, to initiate, or to start something. How many know that we serve a God who wants to make things new and start new things and bring breath, fresh breath and new life into the circumstances? He'll take you from your Bokum and bring you back to Gilgal. And give you another opportunity to run after God. So you don't have to stay in Bochum. He showed up at your Bochum. So you don't have to stay there in Bochum. He wants to take you back to Gilgal. And give you a new start. Does that make sense to anybody? He came from Gilgal. Went to Bochum. And if he came from Gilgal. He went to Bochum. Their place of weeping. So he could take them back to a new start. And start something new all over in their life. See Gilgal is a place of new beginnings. It was where they first landed. When they came into the promised land, it's also later the place where Samuel the prophet was anointed as a prophet. It's also the place that Saul, the first king of Israel, the first king was anointed in Gilgal. It's the place of fresh start and new beginnings that he brings you to a place and he brings a fresh start and he comes to your Bokum so that he might take you to a new Gilgal. He comes to your place of weeping so that he might transport you and take you from a place of weeping and back to Gilgal because we serve a God who's able to give second chances, third chances, fourth chances chances, but don't contend with God because he won't contend with the heart of man forever. So don't take advantage of that grace. Don't take advantage of the grace that he's offering, the grace that he gives to us. Gilgal is a place of new beginnings. And every time we begin a dream, we dream with best things in mind, but sometimes unfortunate events come along the way and stories become difficult. Here's the contribution Judges chapter two, verse two, we read this. It says, for your part. Look at your neighbor and say, your part. Do you realize you've got a part in this? Your story, your story is not controlling my story, but it's affecting my story. I can't blame you. I can't blame your story for my story not going the way God wants it. I can't blame you but your story sure can affect my story and where it's going. Your story doesn't control my story, but your story does contribute into my story. The story that God's writing in your life affects the story that he's writing in mine. But the danger is that when I begin to excuse myself and no longer let God write a story, when I say, well, I can't because they won't. And we then empower a contributing author and forget the power of the author and the finisher of our faith. The one who initiates and begins and makes all things. That God wants to write your story. My story is going to be affected by your story, but I can't let your story control my story. I can only let your story be a contribution to the story that God wants to create and the story that God wants to work in our lives. He says, for your part, God said his part, here's your part. For your part, you were not to make any covenants with the people living in the land. Instead, you were to destroy their altars, but you disobeyed my command. You see this covenant between God and his people. God said, I'm gonna be with you always. I'm gonna lead you, I'm gonna guide you, I'm gonna provide for you. And in the process, you can expect that I'm gonna show up and help you, but that means I also can expect that you're going to have no other gods before me. How many know that's the first commandment he gave them? It's the first commandment he gave them when they were at the place of uh, of Mount Sinai. Moses comes down with the tablets and says, have no other gods before me. And God says, for that reason, I'm telling you, when you come into the land, don't let any of the Canaanites live there. You've got to chase them all out. You've got to destroy their altars. You've got to completely overtake that place because they'll become a threat to you. He says, you've got to completely push them out. That's the part that you're supposed to play. I mean, realize each and every one of us have a part to play. On your seat this morning, you may have found a small puzzle piece. If you found that puzzle piece, don't worry, we weren't littering. We didn't let some kid go wild and just go crazy in the church or, or Pastor Josh, for that matter. It was... We intentionally put this on your seat this morning because you're holding what is a small piece, and it is quite a small piece. In reality, the stories and the pieces that we put together in life, we play just a small piece but even if one piece is out of place, it messes up the whole puzzle. When one piece is not in the right place, Jordan in our home, she's the, she's the puzzle maker in our home. And, and so we'll sometimes, I'll sometimes work up enough patience to sit down and do puzzles with her because that is a process. And we start doing the puzzles and, and you put all the pieces together. And I don't know how you do it, but here's how we do it. We t- take all the pieces, they're in the box, and we go through and we pull out all the straight edges, all the borders. We put all the borders into one side and we we put them all together and then we start working on the borders and then we put the other pieces together. Uh, By the way, the borders are kind of like boundaries. If you haven't set the boundaries in your life, you'll never put together a good picture. If you don't have appropriate boundaries in your life, if you've not identified the boundaries in your life, then you're not writing a good story. You're not, you're not allowing a good story to be written in your life. You've got to have good boundaries in your relationships, in your, in your habits, and the things that you are. You've got to identify those boundaries and put those boundaries in your lives because if not, you'll allow things outside of the boundary and you'll let things happen in your life that God didn't intend to be written in your story. God didn't mean for that to be in your story. You put those boundaries, and then the next thing, we put all the pieces that look similar, you know, the ones that that have similar colors, and we mix all those together and start working on things. You know, you put all the pieces, and the ones that are similar, we want our lives to make sure they line up with Christ, and that our pieces are looking like his piece, and it becomes together a whole piece. But then as we begin to put the puzzle together, we put the, the border together, and all the pieces, every so often, on a regular basis, we keep looking back at the picture, To see if we're doing it right in the puzzle. You keep looking at the picture. You keep looking. And in our life, we keep looking at God. He takes these pieces. And all these pieces by themselves. How many know that you look at these pieces and it looks like a big pile of mess? And there are times you've taken all the pieces of your life and you say, God it's not looking like the picture's supposed to look. It's not looking like I thought it would look. Have you ever been in life's moments and you thought, God, this is not what I thought the picture was supposed to come out in? This isn't what I saw in the picture. This isn't happening the way that I thought it should happen. And here's the thing, that sometimes there's some pieces that are out of place and when you allow God to be the author, to put those pieces in place, he begins to use those things in your life that might look like pieces out of place. He'll take them and he'll create and work in order and cause it to accomplish something in your life. He's putting it together. Sometimes I have a habit of trying to do puzzles, and I told you, you work up patience for that stuff, and sometimes their pieces, they look alike. I mean, they even look like they should go together. I'll either just look at them and say, that's where it goes, I'm leaving it there. I've also caught myself at times saying, it fits. And Sometimes we can even do that in our lives, that we can force things, and we can Work things that God has not necessarily been intending. Here's what Israelites part to let God put the story together. Here's what it says in Numbers 33, verse 51. The Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you cross the Jordan River into the land of Canaan, where the Canaanites live, You must drive out all the people living there. You must destroy all their carved and molten images and demolish all their pagan shrines. Take possession of the land and settle it because I have given it to you to occupy. Realize this. They have now been in the promised land. But how many know there's a difference between being in the promised land and possessing the promised land? We have Christians who are in the word of God or in the presence of God, but they're not possessed by the presence of God. There is a good possession. That is the possession of the Spirit of the Lord. You want to be possessed by the Holy Spirit. You don't want to be possessed by a demonic spirit, but you do want to be possessed by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit takes control and he circumvents everything else that would be out of his will and that we surrender to him. He puts the pieces together and we give him full control in our lives and he puts those things together. You can't possess something that you've not turned over to God and trusted God completely. Listen what Numbers 35, a couple of verses down in Numbers 33, verse 30, or 55. But if you fail to drive out the people who live in the land, those Canaanites, if you fail to drive them out, those who remain will be like splinters in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will harass you in the land where you live. Now, splinters and thorns have not killed people, but they sure make life miserable. You won't die from thorns. You won't die from splinters but they sure will irritate you and cause life to not be too fulfilling. You have splinters and thorns and things that are in your life because there's some pieces that are out of place and there's some things that are taking place in life and it's not the way that God has meant it and you've entered in the promised land but something's not in the right place. You realize because of this covenant, God's not obligated to show up and do anything if we've not upheld our part by serving him with all of our heart. When you don't honor God, you walk out of God's blessings. When you don't have the blessings of God in your life, it's not God's punishment, it's your abandonment. Let me say that again. When the blessings of God are not operating in your life, it is not because God is punishing you, there is an abandonment. And let's be real. Your abandonment of God can have an impact on my story. Once again, I can't be controlled. I have had people in my life who have disappointed me in their walk with Christ. I've had people in my life who have done things that were unfair, who have done things that were not helpful to what God was wanting to do in my life, to which I have to make a decision and acknowledge and say, God, are these the Canaanites that need pushed out? Or are these the ones... That you're calling me to work among, to develop relationship, to trust you, to serve you, to honor you. But sometimes our conflicts are because we've not removed the temptations from our lives and we've hung around places we don't belong. And it becomes consequences because of wrong decisions. The other thing about Gilgal is it is a place of decision. It is a place of new starts, but it's not a guarantee. It's a place of new beginnings. And every decision that we make affects the outcome of what God's story, of what he's writing in our lives. If we don't allow God to put these things in place, we end up in Bochum, a place of weeping. Here's how we can force it sometimes. The Bible says in Judges 1 verse 28, When the Israelites grew stronger, they forced the Canaanites to work as slaves. Now I want you to think with me now. Is that what God told him to do? Did God say when you go into the land, force them to be your slaves? No, God said when you go into the land, drive them out. Destroy their temples. Destroy their idol worshiping. Get rid of all that stuff because if you don't, there'll be thorns in your side and there'll be splinters. They'll cause an irritation. They'll, 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 they'll cause you not to live the life of fulfillment that I have for you. It says when they became stronger, they forced the Canaanites, but they never did drive them out of the land completely. See, God says conquer it, and sometimes instead of conquering it, we control it. I love to remind people, God never said fight temptation, God said flee from temptation. If you're facing temptation and you're putting up a good fight, you're fighting a fight all by yourself because God never said fight that fight. He said run from it. Don't ever put yourself in a place where you have to fight temptation because God will not show up and fight temptation with you. He told you to flee temptation. And so if you don't do what he says, he's not obligated to fight a battle that he never promised to win for you. And there's sometimes we're keeping ourselves in temptation and God said flee from it and we're saying, God, where's your strength to fight it? God said, I didn't promise you strength to fight it. I promise you if you flee from it, I'll keep you. I'll provide for you. Your problem is you're looking to that temptation to provide for you. I can't work through a secondary source. I am only the one and only. I can only work through a primary source. And God can't bless you another route. He can only bless you directly. And so if you're in temptation and you're fighting temptation, can I tell you, you're fighting a losing battle. You're fighting a battle that God never told you to fight. You've got to flee from that temptation. You've got to remove yourself from that And sometimes they, in this place of trying to become stronger, and the danger is sometimes we can get stronger that we can do things on our own. You realize that's a danger? That we can get so good at something, we can become so strong that we can do it on our own strength. And instead of allowing God to conquer what needs to be conquered around us, we try to control it, and we miss the the part that what God wants to do in our life. You're writing a story. Sometimes we're writing a story and expecting God to be the contributing author. The only way it works is when he writes the story and we become the contributing author. I remember my grandfather, he had this, uh, um, this license plate on the front of his car that I thought was cool. It said, God is my co-pilot. Until one day my dad said, that's the stupidest license plate I've ever seen. Dad, that's not nice. And dad told grandpa, he said, he's not supposed to be your co-pilot. He's supposed to be your pilot. You can be his co-pilot, but let him in the seat. I remember being a young kid saying, That makes sense. God doesn't want to be your contributing author. He wants to be the main author and allowing us to contribute to what he's doing. See, every story is written with words and every word is made up of letters. And every letter has their specific place to create the story. You take one letter and put it in the wrong place, it creates something altogether different. If I were to say to you today the word soar, what comes to your mind? You see, because you can look at that and you say sore, some of you would think, oh, it's painful, it's sore. Some of you may have thought, ah, oh, it's sore, it's it's flying, it's something that's left the ground, it's moving forward, but it all is determined by where we have, and sometimes we can have one letter out of place. You see, therefore, are four, they have the same number of letters, they're, they're made up with the same some of the same letters, the same number of vowels, same number of consonants, but that one vowel out of place, that one vowel in a different location, removed in, in some place, put out of place, becomes something altogether different. Your life, and here's what it is, some of us, we've got pieces, out of place and instead of experiencing the soar of Gilgal, which Gilgal means to set in motion, it means a flying wheel. Which by the way, another synonym for soar is wheel. To spin, to move, to set in motion. That to seal seal or to, to, to soar in, in this purpose, some of us instead of soaring We're feeling the pain of the sore because we've not done what God has called us to do. There's pieces out of place. And God's not obligated to bless us when we've got pieces out of place. If you want God's blessing in your life, then the only option is to say, God, take the pieces of my life and put them in the right place. Put these pieces of my life in the place that you have. Notice the difference is one letter, one letter in a certain spot. One will take you to Gilgal, a place of soaring, the other will take you to Bochum, a place of sore weeping, a place of weeping, a place of hurting. In Judges chapter one, if you read this, I'm gonna ask the worship team to come as we prepare to close this morning. You have your puzzle piece there on your seat and I want you to just take that for a moment because you've got all these pieces that might seem out of place and how, how you can make sense of this life It's a small piece. But if you would read in Judges chapter 1, the Bible says this, that they came into the land and God wanted them to possess it. Listen, there's some of us, I pray this is the year that you possess the land that God has called you to possess. You've been walking near it, you've been around it, you've been close to it, but you've not walked in the fulfillment of what God has for you. Because there's some things that are out of place in our lives, allowing God to put those things in order. Here's the Israelites, they're coming into the place and they're about ready to possess the land. And before they can possess the land, God says you need to drive out all of the Canaanites, the Parasites, the Hittites, the, all the others. He tells them you're supposed to drive them out. Here's what the Bible says. They then asked the Lord in Judges chapter one, you can go back and read it. They said to the Lord, who should we send first to fight the Canaanites? And the Lord gave them an answer. The Lord said, Judah. Judah will go first. Which if you know Judah, Judah means I will praise the Lord. God said Judah will go first. And here's what Judah does. Judah comes along and Judah says to his brother, he says to his brother Simeon, hey, you come with me. And so Judah, I will praise the Lord, rises up and he says, Simeon, you come along. And Simeon is also a son of Leah, Leah who was born to, to Leah, who's was Jacob's, uh, Jacob's first wife. And here's Judah and Simeon, the sons, brothers together. Judah means I will praise the Lord. Simeon means the Lord has heard my cry. That when you've got pieces out of place and you've got to conquer a land that God wants, God said what you need to do is you need to make a decision at your Gilgal and say, I will praise the Lord. And when you make a decision to say I will praise the Lord, Judah begins to rise up and Simeon, the other brother, comes along and says, the Lord has heard your cry. And when you lift up a praise, Simeon comes along and the Lord hears your cry and he fights the battle. If you want to know how to make a contribution, you take your pieces that make no sense and you lift them to the one and you say i have no idea i don't know what i'm doing i don't know how this is going to work but i only know this i'm going to praise the lord all i know is i'm going to lift a shout of praise to god i'm going to lift my voice as an offering to the lord and i'm going to bless the lord because when i do simeon the lord has heard my cry When I begin to praise, the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. And so when I begin to praise, when I begin to lift up the shout of Judah, Simeon comes along. It says, the Lord has heard your cry. And how many know that he will never turn a deaf ear to any of his children? That he comes along in that moment. He comes along in that situation. And what's your contribution today? Your contribution is not to fix it. The life that's out of order in your life or the things, the pieces that are out of place, the things that are a problem in your life, your job is not to fix it. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Think about that. It's not your job to fix it. That's a big task. It's not your job to put all the pieces back together. It's only your job to take those pieces and lift them to the one and say, God, in the midst of my brokenness, in the midst of my bokum, this weeping, this place of weeping, I'm going to praise the Lord because in praising the Lord, you're going to take me back to Gilgal and I'm going to get a fresh new start and you're going to come along. You hear my cry. Does this make sense to anybody this morning? So what's your contribution today? Just take all your pieces. Say, God got some of my pieces out of place, but I'm going to take this and I'm going to say to you, Jesus, I want you to be the center of my story. I want you to be the focal point of this story that's being written in my life. I'd say there's been a bad chapter in my life. You know what? Wait till you see what he does with the next chapter. Till you see what he creates. You say, this generation hasn't done it. And in Jesus' name I'm writing a story that if it's not going to be my generation that reaches Fayette County then God let me write a story so a generation behind me can reach this county for Jesus Christ. Let my life just be an entry and a part of the piece that you're writing if it's not my generation which by the way I believe it's our generation that we're going to use that God's going to use for His glory but God if you don't come back and it's not my generation then take the pieces of my life so that it might be a story for the generation behind to say let's come Continue the work that God has started. Would you take that piece this morning? Would you just hold that in your hand? And I want to sing this song together as we close today. Are you sore or are you soaring? Are you surrounded by thorns and briars? If so, maybe there's something out of place you've not pushed out Canaanites like you were supposed to. Maybe you forced some things that God didn't intend for you. But if you'll say to God, God, I'm going to worship, He'll take you back to Gilgal. He'll cause a fresh start. So as you take that piece of puzzle, it's odd edges. I don't even know where that thing would fit. Look at that thing. Look how weird it is. It, it doesn't even make any sense. I mean, the colors on it, I thought... What is it? I don't even understand it, but here's what I do when I lift that peace to the Lord. I say, God, here I am. Write your story on my heart. Be the center of my heart. As you hold that puzzle piece in your hand, can we sing this to the Lord? And let's just make this our prayer as the worship team leads us today. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.